You're listening to Healthy Living with Eric Sue Podcast, episode 111. This episode is sponsored by Eric Sue Mastermind. Get support and answers to break through your health and fitness obstacles. Now offering monthly mastermind sessions that are convenient to fit your schedule. Learn more at www.ericwsue.com forward slash mastermind and to see our free bonus. Hey, it's Eric Sue. I quickly wanted to thank all my longtime listeners for your continued support. I also wanted to say hi to any first-time listeners. No matter who you are, I am committed to providing you the best health and wellness information possible. If you like what you hear, share it with a friend. Also, rate and review this show on iTunes or Stitcher so more people can find us. Let's keep this movement growing. Thanks again, and now on to the show. Healthy lifestyle tips and useful wellness advice without the hype. Sometimes with guests and sometimes without. Either way, this Healthy Living Podcast has news you can use and be inspired to share. And now your host, Eric Sue. Hey guys, Eric Sue here. Welcome to another episode of Healthy Living with Eric Sue. We have a versatile and caring life coach with us today. Her name is Lisa Hinton. We will be talking about the five elements of emotional and psychological fitness. So without any delay, let me introduce you all to Lisa. Lisa, are you ready to make it happen? Yes, I am. Awesome. As a life coach, her aim is to help her clients see themselves more clearly by becoming consciously aware of their thoughts and actions, what drives their behavior, and how to shift out of patterns of resistance, fear, and self-sabotage while stepping into greater sense of self-acceptance, trust, and personal power. Also, as a massage therapist, her approach involves a unique blend of head and heart that incorporates aspects of myofascial release, deep tissue massage, trigger point therapy, and active release techniques, as well as intuition and energy work. As a lifelong student of massage and wellness, she loves teaching her clients the value of massage and self-care and how it facilitates greater body awareness and contributes significantly to overall health and well-being. Lisa, that was just a little bit about who you are. Could you share with our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got started? Sure. Um, Well, I actually became a massage therapist in 2007. Um, prior to becoming a life coach. And I found that many of my massage clients, um, especially those with chronic pain patterns that would come on a regular basis, you know, they would open up to me about the struggles they were experiencing, you know, with relationships, with career, um, their emotional health. And having worked with a life coach myself for over a decade, um, I literally transformed my life during that time, and because of all I learned, I knew I could help my clients in that capacity as well. So that was really the impetus for me to get my coaching certification and start coaching. Very good. Excellent. And um, before we dive into this subject of five elements of emotional and psychological fitness, could you share with our audience what's one cool or unique fact about yourself? My audience really loves to hear this answer. Sure. Well, you know, many people are surprised to find out that I was actually 
a business and accounting person um, for about 14 years after I graduated college. So I was like the opposite of what I do now. Um, and people that know me now that didn't know me then often look at me funny, you know, with that head to head tilt, you know, like, really? <laughs> and the truth is I've just changed that much over the course of my adult life. Um, whereas in my 20s, you know, working in a very technical business setting, it really fit me like a glove, you know. And for many years, I was really comfortable and happy doing that. But then things started to change. You know, I, I started to experience a shift and ended up finding it less and less satisfying. And at the same time, just found myself being drawn to more, you know, natural and holistic forms of medicine and self-care. And, you know, once things reached their tipping point, I quit corporate America and enrolled in massage school. Excellent, excellent. I, I want to say that uh, mm-hmm. you have a, a great experience of both worlds, I guess, and, and I, I, I'm assuming you love uh, what you do now more than uh, what you previously have done, right? Well, you know, I do. It fits me. It fits the person I am today, just as the accounting and the finance fit the person that I was, you know, earlier in my life. So it just feels like just sort of a natural progression for me. But I, I have to tell you, you know, that business um, experience really served me well today um, in running my own business. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. Great answer. And, um, you know, I, I just want to go right into the topic. We only have 30 minutes. So, and I know this is a, um, a fairly um, large area um, to discuss. But let's get right to it, and let me start with what are the five elements that you're referring to? Okay, so when I work with a client, um, these are really the five things that I focus on, and they're the things that I believe are critical to having an emotionally healthy, um, productive, and happy life. And they're especially critical when we're going through difficult times. So those five elements are acceptance, compassion, power, connection, and trust. And I can dive into each of those. Yeah, let's go right to it. Um, When we're ready. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so let me start with acceptance. So what I mean by acceptance is acceptance is really acknowledging reality and being willing to give up your struggle against it. So... It's not fighting what is. It's just saying yes to the present moment. And I don't want that to be confused with resignation. You know, it's not resigning ourselves to what is if it doesn't work for us. But really, acceptance has to be the starting point if we want anything to shift. Because there's really zero forward momentum when we're stuck in a state of non-acceptance. It's like being stuck in a time warp, you know. Mm. Um, The energy gets caught up in the resistance of things, so nothing can move. But when we can give up that struggle, let go of the resistance, free ourselves to be able to openly say, okay, here's where I am, so now what? Hmm. Then we can see things start to shift. Um, just and real quick, often, I, 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 real yeah. quick, I don't want to break your flow there, but as far as um, my audience, and, and I'm trying to picture some of them, and they have, a lot of them are health and wellness, um, you know, focused and everything, and it's sort of like, well, weight loss or something like, um, you know, how how they eat or something like that comes into to uh, to the picture. 
um, would would acceptance be like well I'm overweight is that sort of an example of acceptance or is it more to that um yeah I mean it, it could be um, you, you know we're typically not going to argue with ourselves that we're overweight you know I mean we, we pretty much either are or we aren't in our own mind in fact our tendency is to probably see ourselves as um, less spectacular than we really mm -hmm. are. You know, we tend to be overly hard on ourselves. So here's an example. Let's say you're, you have a training regimen and something happens and you get injured. Mm. You know, um, you, you pull a muscle and it, it sort of sidelines you a little bit, but you don't want to be sidelined. You know, you want to keep going and keep doing what you're doing. You might not accept the fact that, you know, maybe your body needs a break and it needs to heal and you need to maybe alter the way you do things. Um, so if we're saying, you know, why is this happening? This is so wrong. This never should have happened. You know, I can't believe I did that. You know, we're kind of stuck in that state of non-acceptance versus saying, okay, um, you know, my body needs to heal. Something happened. I need to take a break. This is what I need to do. You know, just, just take a breather and realize that, you know, here's where I am. Okay, how do I move forward from here? It's Love the it. best way possible. Love it. Very good. Yeah. Okay. So I guess if I could give your listeners one tip for getting into a greater state of acceptance, it would be this. Um, my favorite quote by the author Eckhart Tolle. Um, if you haven't heard of him, he's amazing. He wrote The Power of Now and The New Earth and just done a lot of things. But his, this quote is, accept the present moment as if you had chosen it. And that's, to me, that's a pretty radical statement, right? But it's so incredibly powerful. It's, it's easy to do that when we look at things that are happening the way we wanted, maybe something we, we did consciously choose. But let's say it's something that we really don't want to be happening, that we don't feel like we like or that we chose for ourselves. But when we can look at it in that way, it, it compels us to look at it and say, okay, what's the gift in this? Hmm. Or what's the growing or the learning opportunity here? Or how can I make something good out of this situation? You know, or what am I not seeing? So, you know, it's really being able to do that on a consistent basis. Um, being able to do that consistently will radically change your life. It's just something I, I recommend giving a try. Very, very deep and very good, but yeah, keep going. Okay, so the next element I want to talk about is compassion. And what compassion is, is the concern for the suffering of others, but coupled with a desire to want to help. So compassion goes beyond pity, beyond sympathy, or even empathy, because we want to take action and help the person that's suffering. And compassion is so critical because it unites us as, as human beings. When we lack compassion, we, we're judgmental, you know, we're critical, we become self-absorbed, and it can really shade into narcissism. And this is true whether we lack compassion for others or, or even for ourselves. And, but the, really, the two often go hand in hand. And, you know, I also want to make a critical distinction between self-esteem and self-compassion. I mean, clearly, they're two different things. But self-esteem, what is self-esteem? It's a positive evaluation of self-worth, right? Mm -hmm. 
the problem with focusing on self-esteem is that it sets us up for comparison. Mm. And it's conditional. So when we fail, which is inevitable, we all fail from time to time, self-esteem falls apart. You know, it deserts us. Whereas self-compassion is about relating to ourselves kindly, and it's not contingent upon anything. And here is what I want people to realize. Self-compassion, you know, studies have shown it's related to less depression, less anxiety, less social comparison, um, more optimism, more happiness than self-esteem is. It's really a much better predictor of overall success, overall well-being than self-esteem is. And, you know, as a parent, I have a a four-year-old daughter, and I believe it's really critical to understand for those of us that are raising children, you know. But the thing is, kids don't learn so much by what we say, but but by what they witness us doing, right? Mm. So we can advocate for self-compassion, we can talk about it, but if we can't, we're not modeling that for ourselves, then it's not likely to have a real impact on our kids, you know. Very good point. So parents, you know, I encourage you to to try to practice self-compassion as much as possible. Um, I guess one tip I could suggest for practicing Mm -hmm. self-compassion comes from Dr. Kristen Neff. And she's a researcher on self-compassion. And really, if you Google self-compassion, she comes up all over the place. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. Um, And so it would be this. So when you find yourself in a situation where you're being, like, overly critical, overly judgmental of yourself, write yourself a letter and do it from the perspective of a kind and compassionate friend. So what would a kind and compassionate friend say to me in this moment of suffering? And just let yourself write. You know, it doesn't have to be long or it can be pages if you want it to be. And then when you're done, just put it away and then take it out later, come back and read it and receive it from yourself. And honestly, I've done this a number of times, and it's exceptionally comforting um, in the terms of releasing, releasing resistance and reaching more of a state of acceptance. It's actually really helpful for that as well. Oh. Oh, just real quick here, uh, Lisa, what, what is it in the letter that, uh, maybe I missed it, I was writing some notes, what is it in the letter that <laughs> someone should write or could write? Well, um, you know, sometimes it's just acknowledging, you know, I see that you're suffering and I'm sorry that this is happening to you. Mm. Um, You know, it's not necessarily from the standpoint of trying to fix what's wrong, but just in being there, being present with your suffering, um, not trying to suppress or deny what you're feeling, just allowing yourself to feel it. And, you know, just having that sense of common humanity, you know, being able to see that suffering is a part of life, that we're not alone. Um, suffering and personal failure, it's just a part of the shared human experience. So a kind and compassionate friend would, would tell us that, you know. Um, and also just kindness, being warm with yourself. You know, a friend's going to be warm with you at a time where you're, where you're suffering and you're having a hard time. Um, so just being able to react with kindness instead of self-criticism and, and judgment is really what it's about. Perfect, perfect. I, I doubt any of my listeners have done this before. That's why I just wanted to clarify that point. But go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Okay. All right, so I think um, I'll go on to the next element. So the next element is power. 
I believe that the potency of our power comes from how we see ourselves and how we see the world. So if we see ourselves as a victim, you know, if we see the world as this scary place, then I think we're going to create situations and circumstances for ourselves that will show us that we're right. And likewise, if we see ourselves as powerful creators, if we see the universe as a friendly place, then we're going to continuously create a life experience that will support that vision. Um, So really, when we break it down, much of how we experience life is the result of our actions, our thoughts, and our intentions. Mm. And we tend to focus on our actions as being, you know, the one thing that drives our experience. But, you know, we have to remember that it's through having clear intentions and paying attention to our thoughts and being able to focus our thoughts in a way that serves us is what helps drive our actions to be ones that really serve us. So in other words, our actions become more inspired. Mm. And it's often the difference between taking action in the spirit of avoidance versus taking action in the spirit of creation. You know, Mm. does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, c- could you give us okay. a, a, um, an example so our audience is, is crystal clear about that? Yeah, and, and actually I would like to walk you through an exercise that would make it even more clear. But basically, you know, we want to ask ourselves, are the actions I'm choosing to take in an effort to try to avoid, avoid pain and suffering for myself, or are they in an effort to create what I want for myself? You mm. know, am I trying to run from something or that I don't want or, or am I moving towards something that I do want? Mm-hmm. It reminds so, me, real quick, it reminds me of, uh, of this pain-pleasure uh, scenario where, where um, when I ask someone to do a push-up, for example, they, they see that as, as uh, a lot of pain versus the pleasure and reward of accomplishing it. Exactly. That is, yep, that's exactly right. Yep, well said. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so... You know, a, a tip I can share with, you know, trying to move from one end of that spectrum to another, from, from going from what we don't want to what we do want, is to ask yourself three questions. And I call this the um, what, why, how. Mm. So ask yourself, what do you want? Why do you want it? And how do you want to feel? And so in other words, with the feeling, it's, um, type, you know, you believe that having that thing that you want is going to make you feel a certain way, you know, so what is the feeling that you're after? So would you be willing to walk through that exercise with me? Uh, yeah, yeah, go, let's do it. I was just okay. taking some notes, but So Eric, can you tell me about something in your life that you want to change, something that maybe isn't going right or, you know, something you want to alter? Um, let's go with this example. I, I've been wanting to get my six-pack back. Okay. I have somewhat of a six-pack, but I want it the way it used to be. Okay, all right. So, so let's say our starting point, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. You can you can correct me if I'm I'm off the mark here. But let's say your starting point in terms of what you don't want is you don't want, um, you know, abs that um, flabby or flabby <laughs> or yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what? So let's start. With that in mind, you don't want abs that are flabby. What do you want? Uh, I'm looking for a, a good shape and um, the indentations 
that uh, uh, signify, signify a six-pack. Okay, great. That's very clear. Okay, why do you want that? Uh, it makes me feel like uh, I've worked out, and it makes me feel like um, I'm in shape. Okay. So when you work out and you're in shape, how does that make you feel? In other words, how do you believe getting into shape and having that six-pack, those six-pack abs? What, what do you think you're going to get out of that in terms of how you're going to feel? Um, you know, I, I see myself as a physical person that um, if, if I'm in shape, that is the result of being in shape. And, and so um, I use that as my, I guess, measure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, can you translate that in terms of feelings? Like maybe you feel strong, you feel powerful, you feel successful. You know, mm. what is what does that mean for you? Uh, I haven't really thought of it in those terms, but if I had to put some feelings to to that, uh, I think it would be a feeling of accomplishment, success, um, knowing that the hard work paid off. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That's that's excellent. So it's so the, what this example illustrates is it's the difference between focusing on I have flabby abs and I don't want flabby abs versus you know I want to feel strong. I want to feel you know successful, like I've accomplished something. You know all those things that you just said. Mm-hmm. And while one is inspiring and motivating and makes me want to go to the gym and, and do what I need to do to get the abs that I want. Um, you know, that one takes me there versus mm. I have savvy abs and I don't want savvy abs. <laughs> you know, it's not very inspiring. It's not very motivating. And the energy around that is, is not going to generate a lot of power. Mm, good point. So, good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just a real quick side note. Maybe this is uh, a story, but um, that the whole, um, I have flabby abs is, is very common with a lot of clients that I see and, and um, you know th- this actually will help me and, and uh, I know it will help a lot of my audience members too who are listening to, to go through this exercise and, and, and help um, get them to visualize if that's really the other side of this to visualize and see themselves uh, um, being motivated to do to accomplish what they want. Yeah, certainly and you know for some people you can take that a step further. For some people, you know, having those abs is about feeling sexy, about feeling beautiful, about feeling good in your own skin and comfortable. You know, and you can ask yourself, well, how can I get that feeling right now, even before the abs have transformed? Mm. You know, maybe it's, you know, treating myself to a new dress or a new suit or something like that. It's, you know, it, it could be anything, but how can I get myself into that feeling state of wanting, of what I want, and of actually having it before I actually have it mm. really helps us sort of draw it to us and generate, again, generate more power behind it. I have one quick question, and, and um, sure. this, this whole um, why, what, why, and how um, is under the power uh, category, right? And, and so... Yeah. I didn't mention it makes me feel powerful, but it does. And, and is that sort of the outcome that doing this will will give someone? Is that also the other piece? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, you know, it's, it's having an emotional connection. That's why I ask about feeling. It's having an emotional connection to what we want mm-hmm. is what helps 
drive and maintain inspiration and motivation. Mm. So if we don't have that emotional connection, we're going to fall back to our old patterns. We're not going to make it to the gym. It's going to be a matter of, you know, our conscious, you know, fighting with our subconscious, that pleasure and pain, you know, Mm. kind of a thing. It's fighting against each other, and it, it doesn't last. So we have to have that emotional connection, and the way to do that is to get in touch with your your clear intention, why do I want what I want, and really connecting in with that. Excellent, excellent. Do we have the last few? Yeah. Okay, so real quick, connection. Um, you know, I believe that one of the main reasons we are here on this planet, if not the reason, is to experience connection. I believe it's what gives our lives purpose and meaning. But in the many ways that we've learned to close ourselves off, we end up cheating ourselves out of that experience. You know, and we've all experienced this, right, where we can be surrounded by people all day long and still feel lonely. You know, and many of us spend sometimes hours a day connected to social media and still feel incredibly alone. Hmm. And it's the absence of real connection that's the cause of a lot of suffering. Hmm. So when we think about connection, it's helpful to understand what inhibits connection and what fosters connection. Hmm. And for me, my go-to resource is Brene Brown. Um, Dr. Brene Brown, she's a professor at the University of Houston, and she spent gosh, I think over 10 years researching topics related to connection. And what her research has uncovered is that what stops connection in its tracks is shame. Mm. Shame creates feelings of not being good enough, not being worthy of love and connection. Um, On the flip side of that, what she found to be absolutely necessary for connection is vulnerability. Mm. So in order for connection to happen, we have to really allow ourselves to be seen. Right. Mm-hmm. So, in my, with respect to that, you know, in my practice, I try to help my clients identify where shame exists in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe shame that others have put on them, the way they shame themselves, the way they may be shaming other people. Um, to mm-hmm. let that go and replace that with compassion, mm-hmm. you can start to see how these five elements are connected. Right, yeah. replacing, replacing things. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to and when it comes to vulnerability, I think it's good to start by understanding what vulnerability really is. You know, in a nutshell, it involves uncertainty. It involves some element of risk and emotional exposure. Mm-hmm. And it's not about letting it all hang out with everybody. You know, it's <laughs> not about telling people everything about yourself. Really, the people in our lives earn the right to experience our vulnerability and the right to hear our story. So having said that, I suppose, you know, the one tip I would give your listeners, and it's going to sound maybe a bit odd, but, you know, with respect to connection, is to try to eliminate the word should from your life. (laughs) And this might be really potent for, you know, your listeners with respect to staying and becoming fit. Um, Because the word should is basically the vocabulary word for shame, Mm. you know, whether we're shaming ourselves, I should do this, I should stop doing that, you know, I should work out more, I should get to the gym, I should stop eating so many cookies, whatever it happens to be. It's our subtle way of beating ourselves up, right? Mm -hmm. And likewise, no one likes or wants to hear what you think they should or shouldn't do. Of course. When we hear that from other people, when, when they start sentences with the word should, you know, you really should, blah, 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 
it can be infuriating, right? <laughs> and it can shut us down. And it can make us feel like we're not good enough. And we can't connect people under those circumstances when they're shooting us, whether it's our friends, our spouse, our, our child. So, you know, I just invite everyone to pay attention to your use of the word should and just really make an effort to, to catch yourself and try to replace that. Mm. So, for example, if you find yourself saying, I really should go to the gym, I should get in shape, you know, well, why should you? Well, it's because it's, it's going to make you feel better, you're going to be healthier, you're going to feel stronger, you're going to feel better in your body and in your clothes. Well, from that aspect, you want to go to the gym. You want to get in shape. So maybe replace the word should with the word want mm-hmm. or find something that, that's more fitting, that's, that's not shaming. Very good. Oh, so, yeah. Okay, so real quick, the last element is trust. Mm-hmm. So let me start by defining what trust is. Trust is a firm belief in the ability, reliability, truth, or strength of someone or something. That's straight out of the dictionary. Mm -hmm. So if we look at it from that standpoint, in many ways, trust is the absence of fear. And when our lives aren't anchored in trust, we don't feel safe, right? Mm. So to be emotionally and psychologically healthy, we need to feel a sense of safety. And it's the lack of trust that leads to feelings of paranoia, you know, like there are just looming disasters waiting to happen. And unfortunately, a lot of people live this way. And not being able to trust means that when difficult things happen, when difficult times are upon us, it's that much harder for us to get through it because that foundation of safety isn't there. You know, just like when a relationship's lacking in trust and that relationship is tested by something, that relationship is likely to fall apart, Mm. right? So Mm. what do we put our trust in? Well, for one, we have to be able to trust ourselves, trust our instincts, trust our intuition, trust our choices, you know? And honestly, even trusting our mistakes. Mm. You know, our mistakes make us human. They're a catalyst for growth. And sometimes, you know, we've all experienced this. Sometimes it's our mistakes that turn out to be the best thing that could have happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of a lot of inventions that happen by happy accident, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and also trust that you've been beautifully made. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how we demonstrate our willingness to really embrace ourselves and, and to embrace our own life. And then real quick, I just also want to touch on trusting in, you know, the divine, divine intelligence, mm-hmm. whether you call that God, a higher power, or simply, you know, the process or the flow of life. Because, you know, sometimes we can just get so caught up in our own story and our own stuff that we lose sight of who we really are. Mm-hmm. And we lose sight of the fact that we are really an extension of that divine energy. And we're intimately connected to it, so we're free to place our trust in it. And for me, nothing makes me feel safer than remembering that. Hmm. And, you know, the process of life is really an amazing journey, but if we want to experience it fully, we have to trust it. Because when we don't trust, that means we're afraid. And if we're afraid, we're going to hold back. Hmm. And to the degree that we hold back, we cut ourselves off, really, from what our life has the potential to be. Hmm. So... I'm really curious, and, and trust is a huge piece in, in everyday life, relationships, and, and and so on. I'm curious to know, in a few words, would you be able to share with the audience 
how would someone put trust into action? I would say the primary way we can put trust into action is to let go. You know, let go of trying to control everything. You know, we try to control because we're afraid. And when we can let go of some of that fear and replace it with trust, then we sort of allow things to happen through us, you know, instead of because of us, instead of trying to manipulate and control. Mm. Um, we're just letting things happen through us, you know. So re- really, what are our choices? We can try to do everything ourselves coming from a place of fear, right? Mm. Or we can trust and sort of co-create with divine intelligence, you know. Mm. So from that standpoint, um, in order to be our most powerful, we have to be able to trust and let go and allow the universe or the divine to, to do its job too. Mm. You know, it's, it's really not about passivity. It's about consciously choosing to co-create with a force, with an intelligence that's greater than ours. Excellent. Uh, Lisa, I, I really, really appreciate what you shared with us today. Um, just real quick questions. Uh, one would be, how could you summarize what you had shared with us today uh, for our audience? I would say just real quickly that these are five elements that if you can incorporate into your life, you're going to have more ease, more flow. You're going to feel stronger and more powerful. And I believe you're just going to live a happier and more productive life. Very well said. Um, And how do people get a hold of you now that they've uh, learned a little bit more about what you offer, how you do it? um, What are the ways that they can get a hold of you? Sure. Um, Well, they can call me directly. My phone number is 216-702-8240. Um, I welcome phone calls and text messages to that number as well. Um, my email is Lisa, L-I-S-A, at Lisa Hinton, H-I-N-T-O-N, dot com. So Lisa at Lisa Hinton dot com. My website is um, www.lisahinton.com. I am also on Twitter and Facebook. Excellent. We'll make sure we get all those links yeah. in the show notes. Um, this was a very powerful episode, one of the best episodes, I want to say. Let's make sure we share this with all our friends. And um, we'll have to maybe do it again, Lisa. I really appreciate uh, what you shared. It's so knowledgeable and full of wisdom. So I appreciate it. Again, I will let you go, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much, Eric. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Healthy Living with Eric Sue. Head over to ericwsue.com for full recaps of every show and Eric's health and wellness blog. Your healthy living life is waiting for you, so stay active and be safe.